This is The Horror. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Saturday. We'll hear from Theatre 1030 this week, production of CBC Radio in Canada, aired from September of 1968 till sometime in 1971. Our story today is Two Little Punctures. I don't have specific air dates for these episodes, but obviously it aired sometime between 68 and 71. Here's Theatre 1030. Time to tell tales of the unaccountable, of apparitions by night and phantoms in shadows. Time to tell strange stories of fantasy and the supernatural. Theater 1030 presents Two Little Punctures by Anthony Lee Flanders. Starring John Scott as George, with Paul Kligman as Harry, and Ed McNamara as Bill. Yes, it was very clever of you to find me. It's not many that would have suspected my connection with an event that happened so long ago and so far away. But you're quite right. I was in Peru in 1948. And though my name was never connected with the story, I was there when it happened. I suppose it doesn't matter now if I tell you about it. And it isn't often that the newspaper sends out a pretty young lady to interview me. So I'll tell you the story. It can't hurt me now. I'm an engineer, practical man, 35 years of the same oil company. I have a house, mortgage paid off, two cars, a family, a portfolio of investments. Not exactly what you'd call a nut. So I'll tell you about it. It was actually in late 1947. I was sent to Calera, Peru. It's on the Pacific coast the furthest point west on the South American continent. Oh, George! So they sent you down here, too. Greedy company. They just can't get that oil out of the ground fast enough. They said it's pretty busy here, Bill. Busy? That's hardly the word for it. Can you imagine? We're building a whole bloody town right here on the coast. It's like an invasion. Trucks, oil raising, equipment, and supplies like they're going out of style. The report says it's one of the largest strikes the company's ever had. It is, George. It is. He was right. The activity was phenomenal. There were already paved highways for the trucks. The place was a forest of wooden oil derricks. When they were done with the derrick, they just left it and moved on. And they were building a town. A house a day was being completed in assembly line fashion. And as fast as they finished them, the employees brought their families in to live there. 
I sent for Barbara, my wife. George, not exactly as I pictured. Well, how did you picture her? Well, I expected the lush carpet, not this. Just rolling desert right up to the ocean. Well, look over there. Those are the Andes. You can see them quite plainly on a clear day. Now, just back of them is the Amazon jungle. Mm -hmm. Here, it's just sandy hills leading up to the mountains. Barbara and I moved into one of the just-completed houses. We held a little party with some of our friends. Harry Thompson was there. He was the interpreter. He'd just come back from the trip. I was just up to some of the villages in the Andes. It's pretty spooky there. Nothing you can put your finger on. Just a feeling. Something in the air. Or maybe the look in their eyes. I don't know. But it bothers me. Do you think it's something that we should warn the rest about? The trouble is, I don't know exactly what to warn them about. Let's just keep our eyes open, okay? I was inclined to listen to Harry. He'd been here a long time, and if he had a hunch, there was probably something to it. And besides, he knew the natives pretty well. But nothing seemed to come of it. Of course, it was impossible to tell if things were normal because the whole area was in such a confusion. Then there was an event that didn't make things any easier. George! George! Barbara, where are you? In here, the bedroom. Come on, we've got to get out of here. What is it? The whole house is shaking. It's an earthquake. Come on. Get outside before the house collapses. one hell of an earthquake. Actually, a whole series of them between the Andes and the Pacific coast for a couple of hundred miles north and south. Well, you were at the George. George, yeah? can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, sure, Doc. What is it? Well, look, we're going out of our minds over at the hospital. We've got beds for 40 patients, and God only knows how many hundreds need medical help. They're camped all over town. Now, can you engineers give us a hand, set up some emergency bedding for the bad cases? Yes, uh, yes, we could. Uh, how about the warehouse to start? Good. Oh, another thing. We've radioed for medical supplies. We want to fly them in. Do you think your boys could build a strip big enough for a DC-3 to land? Mm. That'll take a bit of doing. Where's it coming from? Red Cross headquarters in Wien. Well, I'll get to work in the warehouse. I'll see what can be done about the strip. That was the situation. Chaotic and primitive. The natives were completely illiterate. Most wandered around naked all the time. The people from the company had been inoculated against everything, and of course, we got the best medical treatment. But there just wasn't enough to go around for all the natives. They were dying at an astonishing rate. The ones who weren't ill just sat around, looking dumbfounded by the whole thing. I guess they thought they offended the gods or something. And then some things happened that told me the whole situation was a lot more explosive than we thought. No, I haven't noticed anything unusual at all, Harry. I mean, hell, it's an unusual situation, but it's been like this for about ten days. Well, that's what I mean. 
even unusual situations settle down to their own form of normal. But last night, I thought I noticed something different. Hey, it's funny you should mention that. I had a weird feeling last night. I was walking around camp, checking on the supplies, and I had a peculiar feeling that somebody was watching me. <laughs> I checked, and everything was all right. Come on, you guys. You sure you ain't got a fever or something? Well, why don't you ask the doctor? Here he comes now. Uh, George. Oh, uh, George, I want to talk to you. Can I see you for a minute? Yeah, sure, Don. What is it? In private, George. Yes. Um, over here. Now, George, it's nothing you should get too worried about. Uh, I mean, I think it's not serious. We'll get to the point, Doctor. Well, it's Barbara. Barbara. Now, don't get excited. Look, if something's the matter with Barbara, let's hear about it. Look, I saw her this morning. In a routine checkup of the company people. She seemed all right. Except... Well, except for one thing. She seemed listless. Oh. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> well, she's tired of this place. You know, Barbara. She misses shopping, the cocktail party circuit, getting all dressed up for a concert. She's just bored here. Yeah. Sure, George. Yeah. That must be it. Well, uh, did you see anything that showed it to be something else? She looked a little, uh, anemic. She hasn't been sleeping well. It's the confusion. She's not used to earthquakes and thousands of natives camped on her doorstep dying faster than we can bury them. Now, there's a real problem for you, Doctor. It's a hazard to the community's health. We've got to bury those bodies a lot quicker. The situation was getting steadily worse. The earthquakes had struck for hundreds of miles up and down the coast, and medical supplies were desperately short. The Red Cross flew in what they could, but it wasn't nearly enough. The natives continued to die. There was a change of mood in the camp, a growing restlessness, a feeling hard to describe among the natives. One morning, it was more noticeable than ever. No. No, we were just discussing George and I. There is something strange going on. Did you notice the natives? They look spooky as hell. I came up behind one this morning, tapped him on the shoulder, he damn near jumped out of his skin. Now, something happened last night. I don't know what it was. I heard a couple of them talking. They were whispering about something they saw last night. Hmm? I asked them what they were talking about, but they wouldn't answer. They just slunk off. Same thing with all the others, I asked. I think we'd better keep a close watch and uh... Think out the weapons, the ammunition. We're outnumbered here, 25 to 1. If they ever decide that we're not welcome, well, look out. Harry, they wouldn't do that. They know we're friendly. I'm not sure. They're a spooky bunch. No one can tell for sure what they're thinking. Maybe Bill's right. We better get the guns out just for our own protection. I didn't like that. The natives would see the guns and think that we had a reason for being scared, I said. But I was overruled. 
And as it turned out, I was damn glad I was. What is it? I don't know. I was just sitting up here on guard when all of a sudden there was a panic. Just like that, a stampede. Natives running everywhere, screaming and yelling. Oh, they looked like they were scared out of their minds. They were about to overrun the supplies, so I, uh, I fired in the air a few times. That quieted them down. They seem to have settled down. I talked to the chiefs. They're trying to get them back into the tent. Did you see anything, Harry? No, not myself. But I heard some of them yelling about a woman in white up there on the cliffs. Oh, that's all we need. Some crazy woman walking around in the moonlight. Spook these savages like crazy in a situation like this. The woman in white was Barbara. Well, I'm pretty sure it was anyway. When I got home, she was in bed, wearing her white negligee, the full-length one. It was dirty around the bottom. She had clay on her feet. Clay from the cliffs. I figured that she'd had one of her dreams. But she'd taken the sleeping pills the doctor gave her. She couldn't wake up. So she ended up walking in her sleep. I used to walk in my sleep when I was a kid, so I knew something about that. I didn't tell anyone it was Barbara, though. There's no need to get people upset. I didn't even tell her. She was nervous enough about the situation. Telling her she was sleepwalking wouldn't have made her feel any better. I told her I had tracked the clay into the house, and she must have picked it up that way. She didn't say anything. In fact, she didn't even seem to notice. She seemed, well, well, lethargic is the word, I think. The situation in town, though, is the complete opposite. That night, what are they up to? I'm not sure. It's some kind of ceremony. Supposed to drive away evil spirits or something. Mm, let's hope they don't decide we're the evil spirits. It could be. Look! My God! It's the woman! There! Up on the cliffs! We've got to stop I'll shoot. Over their heads first. Well, what are they doing? I think the chief wants to talk to us. I'll go see what it is. No, you better not. I think it's okay. He wants to show me something. I don't like it. Hey. Hey, doctor. Come in. Did you kill any of them? No, no. Oh, I shot over their heads. Doctor, what in the hell is going on? I think I have an idea. Doctor, will you come with me? Bill. Bill, call George up here. I was guarding the food supplies when Bill came down and got me. and went up to see the doctor. George, that woman was Barbara. Yes, I know. She's been sleepwalking. That's probably true, George. But you've got to stop her from walking up there on those cliffs. She's probably safe herself. Sleepwalkers are all right unless they're suddenly disturbed. 
But she's scaring the hell out of the natives. Well, she did look a little eerie, but that shouldn't scare them. It's just a woman. You can't harm them. That isn't what they think. They think she's a vampire. Don't be ridiculous. Look, I know she isn't a vampire. You know she isn't a vampire. But they think she is. I didn't want to mention it before. But they have reason to think that. We've been warned on the medical bulletins that the earthquakes have changed the migratory patterns of a lot of the wildlife. But what's that got to do with Barbara? There is a species of vampire bat. It's found in parts of Mexico and Central America. Maybe it's found in the Amazon, too. Nobody's been there to check. Anyway, I think that species has suddenly shown up here. The earthquakes cause them to come. They live on the blood of mammals. The quakes drove all the mammals out of the Andes. The bats must have fallen. I've had eight cases of natives dying from a cause I couldn't determine. But I went back and checked. On all eight, there were two little punctures in the neck. Right on the juggler vein. Well, they haven't hit any of our people because we sweep in houses with the insect nest on. Tell me, Doctor. What are the symptoms? I'm not sure. I've only seen them dead. But I suspect general listlessness, lethargy, and meaning. The survivor symptoms. That's right. He's been sleepwalking. It would be the same as being bitten in his sleeping bed. Look at this, George. Two small punctures on her throat. Right over the juggler pain. You've got to do something. Difficult, George. Very difficult. We have no idea what the effects of this are. People are dying from it. But we don't know why. We've got to make sure that she doesn't get out again. And make sure nothing gets in. You keep a watch on her. I'll wear the Red Cross in Lima. We should have some experience with this sort of thing. I'll get right at it. I kept a constant watch on Barbara. I don't think I slept for two whole days. On the second night, she seemed better. Here, uh, I brought you some food. Yes. I think I'd like to eat now. You haven't eaten for three days. Do you remember anything? No, I've been sleeping. I've been so tired lately. I've had bad dreams. Oh, George, you can we leave here and so... Frightened. If we don't leave right away, something terrible is going to happen. Something very terrible. Barbara was right. Somehow the place seemed to have subtly changed. At first, not knowing what to expect, everything I'd seen in South America had seemed natural to me. I've just taken it for granted. That is, 
until that evening. And then, for some reason, the whole thing seemed, well, like a picture, suddenly gone out of focus. Perhaps it was because I was so tired from staying up and watching Barbara, I fell asleep in the chair. Anybody home? George, George, wake up. Wake up. Oh, oh what is it? Wake up, man. Doctor, what are you doing here? Where's Barbara? Barbara? Well, she's in the bedroom, I think. I think not. Not here. She's gone. I thought I saw a woman in white down near the natives' camp. We better find her. Come on. Where did you find it, Bill? Up on the cliffs again. I think the doctor better look at her, Joyce. There's blood on her neck. Much worse, George. I'll have to give her a transfusion. I don't know how she gets the energy to go tramping around the cliffs when she's so weak. Almost like a compulsion with her, it seems. Anyway, if she hasn't improved by morning, I'm going to have her flown to Lima. The Red Cross are better equipped for this sort of thing. We didn't get the chance to send her to Lima. During the night, she died. The doctor put on the death certificate an unidentified tropical infection of the blood. We buried her that morning with no waiting. I was numb. I didn't know what to do. All that day, I worked as hard as I could, helping the doctor with the natives, assisting in the construction of a new hospital, in what used to be the warehouse. I was bone tired, but I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to lay down and have to face my thoughts. That night, still not able to sleep, I stood guard duty with Bill. Muggy night, eh? Yeah. Sure is. Damn natives. They're liable to overrun the place. Why? What is it this time? Superstitious bunch. They think they saw the woman in white on the cliff. Oh, that's impossible. Barbara. Yes, I know. They're just a spooky bunch of primitives imagining things. Look, George, why don't you get some sleep? Get the doctor to give you something. The doctor gave me some pills. I took two of them and fell asleep almost immediately. That was exactly what I wanted. But I kept dreaming about Barbara. I dreamt I saw her walking on the cliffs, her white flowing gown trailing out behind her, silhouetted against the sky. I dreamt she came to me while I was sleeping. She didn't make a sound. She seemed to glide into the room. But not from the door. Through the window. She came to the bed and leaned over me. And then she kissed me on the neck for the longest time. And then she left. In the morning, George, 
looks worse this morning than before. I think I'd better send you back home. I can justify it on medical grounds. The no, company no. will take you back to Canada. No, no, I don't think so, Doctor. At least not yet. I've got to adjust this whole situation in my mind. If I go back, it'll be unresolved. I won't have accepted anything. I don't think I could live with it if I just run away. Let me stay a little longer. Well, a few more days. But if you don't show any improvement, back you go. I didn't tell the doctor my real reason for wanting to stay. Actually, I wanted to get out of there. I hated the place. But I wasn't ready to leave Barbara. Not yet. The doctor gave me a sedative that night. Injected it. I went out like the proverbial light. Slept peacefully for several hours. Then, I seemed to be half awake. Semi-conscious. I was aware that there was someone in the room. I looked at the window. And Barbara was standing there. In a long white gown. She smiled at me, walked over to the bed, leaned over, and kissed me on the neck. The long kiss, same as the night before. And then I had an incredible feeling of peace settling over me. I slept soundly till about three in the morning. And then suddenly I awoke with a terrible feeling of dread. It was silent. And then... I was suddenly very frightened. I heard voices in the next room. Where's George? In there. Asleep. Good. Let him sleep. Bill. Hmm? The most terrible things happened. The natives dug up Barbara's coffin. They found the body and they... drove a stake right through the heart. And that was the end of it, young lady. That's the closest I ever came to the vampires. A rare breed of South American bat that killed my first wife. And some delirious dreams brought on by tropical fever. I don't know if that story is any use to your editor. I doubt if it ties in at all with its recent wave of unexplained deaths. But if you come closer, that's it. A little closer. I doubt if these modern scientific types will look at the necks of the victims. Hmm. I doubt if they'll notice hmm. those two little punctures on your neck. Did you enjoy the story, young lady? You did? Well, you will come back tomorrow night, won't you? presented Two Little Punctures by Anthony Lee Flanders, with John Scott as George, Vivian Reese as Barbara, his wife, and Ed McNamara as Bill, his friend. Paul Kligman was heard as Harry, and Neil Leroy as the doctor. Sound effects were by John Sliz. Technical operation, John Skillen. Theater 1030 is a CBC Toronto presentation. This is Bill Lawrence speaking.
That's the horror for this week. I'll be back next Saturday with another one. If you want to find more from Theater 1030, more horror, a variety of other types of old-time radio shows, just visit relicradio.com. You'll also find the link there to our Shoutcast stream and our donate button. Thank you, as always, to those who have donated. And thank you for joining me today. Talk to you again next week with another episode of The Horror.